Praise the Lord, saints. This is Briagio Hawthorne, and this is The God Effect. Now, today's topic, we're going to be talking about how to get your relationship and take your relationship with Jesus Christ more seriously and grow further in it. And to base off of this topic with the scripture that we're going to come off is Matthew chapter 16. Now, before we go any further into this podcast, we are going to open up in prayer. So precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask you to please touch whoever is listening to this podcast right now in the name of Jesus. We ask you to please open up their hearts unto you and to let this scripture and this and whoever is watching, allow this to minister to them. That you are not a God that you shall slack or, or lack in your promises, but you are a God of restoration and restoring. That you are God Almighty. That you are the great I am. So, Father, we ask you to please open up our spiritual eyes and ears to have a grading, a greater understanding of your word, an a, a, a open mindset of you. And we ask you to please touch whoever is listening and continue to let your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, in Matthew chapter 16, we see a display of, of, of how the scripture uh, portrays Jesus and Basically, what it means to be his disciple and basically with the things that uh, Jesus had to go through and who he really is. So we're going to break this down step by step and scripture by scripture. And we're going to just start off with verses one through four. Let's start right there. Now, it reads, the Pharisees also with the Sadducees came, tempting, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. Jesus answered, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but you can't discern the sign of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. So let's stop right there. Let's break this down. Who are the Pharisees and the Sadducees? So, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were pressing him to prove himself. Testing him to get something to use against him. They asked him to show them a sign from heaven that would support this divine authority. You call yourself God. You call yourself, you know, the son of God. Show, prove it. Prove it. Show us a sign from heaven that you are. So, they came together in a group. And it seemed like they seemed... Uh, like Jesus was a was a serious threat to them. And and before I go any further, let's stop right there. Sometimes your anointing and the Holy Spirit that God has placed in you irritates other people's demons. It irritates others because they're intimidated by you. They're uh, uh, intimidated by the the favor that God has placed on your life and just the type of person you are. And you couldn't even do a thing. That's what Jesus does. He didn't even he didn't even do anything wrong, and they still hated him, pressed up against him, and tried to trample his face by questioning him. Some people, and and, and that's how Eve was deceived in the beginning. How, that's how the great fall of man started because people we questioned God, Satan questioned God, and we have to be careful also not to just blame everything on Satan. Sometimes it's our own fault too, but. Be careful. Seek God for his direction. If you have any questions, go to the Father, please. So, 
they thought that Jesus was a serious threat. They were prepared to, the Pharisees, the Pharisees, listen to this, the Pharisees were prepared to live under any government that would leave them alone to practice their religion the way that they wanted to, while the Sadducees were aristocrats associated with the Romans, the police, let's say, to keep their wealth and power. You know, and Sadducees refused to accept uh, a precept as binding unless it was based on the Torah, while the Pharisees believed that the law that God gave Moses was consisting of the written law, God's law, and oral law, man's law. The Pharisees used the law of Moses and their own interpretation on how God intended the laws to fit their Judaism. Pharisees believed in the supernatural, Sadducees did not, to break it down in simpler terms. But they both had a major influence in their society because they came from status and noble men. Also, connected with the Romans, uh, Pharisees were more connected with common people. One had money and status, the other had wealth and business, but both had connections and great influence. Now take a sit and let's question, what does that sound like to you? Great influence, money, power, both have connections, coming against a person who does no wrong and who is a Christian and who uh, believes, you know, and is just trying to do the will of the Father. Who does that remind you of? The Pharisees and Sadducees, they sound like government. That's what they sound like to me, government. Now, I'm not saying all governments is, is wrong, is, 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 is corrupt, but just have your antennas on. Have your antennas on. But, but through verses 1 through 4, Jesus shows us that, you know, people are, nowadays are looking for signs, but are so spiritually blind to the signs that are happening all around the world. Currently, you know, uh, Russia invading Ukraine. The Bible says in Matthew 28, there will be wars and rumors of wars. But do not be troubled, for this is not the end yet. The end doesn't come immediately after this. And people are in talks of World War III, not even knowing that the great World War III is going to be happening between uh, Jesus and, and Satan. But Jesus called them hypocrites. Why? Because they were experts at predicting the weather, but were blind to the signs of the Messiah. Credentials that were right in front of them. He said, you hypocrites. Because they were playing church instead of actually being a church. They tossed God's lot out the window and substituted it for their own traditions. And saints, that's what we do today. We toss, God's out, uh, toss out God's word and try to substitute it and mix, it, mix the truth with a lie. And that is lukewarm. And God is not looking for lukewarm people. He is looking for either hot or cold. Now, you need to take a step back and examine yourselves. And I was preaching to myself here as well. Where do you fit in? Is God going to come back and, and see you as a faithful servant? Or are you just trying to look good while he's there? And when he leaves, you know, you act a fool. But people look for signs today. They say, in order for me to believe, I have to see it, feel it. And, and signs don't convert no one. Now, now I'm not saying that's, that the miracle signs and wonders that Jesus just didn't have no effect on people. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the Bible gives examples of people who saw signs but still didn't believe. Demons believe. Satan believes. But old wicked and adulterous generation had to ask for a sign. <laughs> And he still gives us them, even to this day. Let's move on to verses 5 through 12. And when his disciples were to come to the other side, they had forgotten to take the bread. 
Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and be aware of the leaving of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, Is it because we taken no bread? Which Jesus heard, and he said, Oh, you of little faith, why reason among yourselves and talk about you forgot about the bread? I'm not talking about bread. <laughs> Do you not understand, neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand, and how many baskets you took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, how many baskets you took up? So listen to this. How is that you do not understand that I speak it not to you concerning bread, that you should be aware of the leaving of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not be aware of the leaving of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. So let's stop right there. Let's break this down. So their disciples are talking about, oh, okay, okay, oh man, we forgot the bread. We left and you know, we're hungry, we got the bread. And Jesus said, all right, guys, try to get them to focus on the bigger picture. Look, you know, he did, but not really saying it directly. He says, while they're talking about, oh, hey, Peter, you forgot the bread? Yeah, yeah, I forgot the bread, the butter, you know, all that. <laughs> and Jesus like, guys, focus on the bigger picture. Um, look out for the Pharisees and Sadducees. They're not, they're always coming up against me. And they said, okay, the leaving, leaving usually meant bread back then. Is it because, you know, forgot the bread? He's like, no. Why don't you understand? Focus, focus. And here's here's what we're here's what he's trying to say. He's trying to say to his disciples, take heed. It means to pay attention, observe carefully, be cautious and alert uh, to danger or look out. Leaving is corruption or sin. Jesus said, look out for the leaving of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Leaving usually meant dough or bread. So the disciples thought he was saying, look out for their bread. <laughs> oh, you of little faith. Why did Jesus say this? He said this because of their ignorance, unbelief, and forgetfulness. You see, ignorance, because they didn't understand that he was using material things to illustrate spiritual things. Unbelief, because they were too concerned with bread when they have seen Jesus provide bread numerous times. Forgetfulness, because they seemed to forget what Jesus had done before. Then they realized, oh, the bread, the bread isn't the problem. It was, it was our look. It was, our, it was our lack of understanding, of knowledge, of being too concerned and focused on what we don't have instead of tapping and looking toward the source that has been with us this whole entire time. And saints, in order to get relation, to get a more serious and more well-grounded and foundation of, of Jesus Christ and his time, we have to not focus on what we don't have, not focus on what we, we got to go through, not focus on, on, on the past, but focus on the now. Focus on where you're at now. Don't focus on what you did. Don't look at that sin that you just committed 10 minutes ago. Focus on Jesus. And, and, and this is also says lack of understanding. What does the Bible say? My people perish because of what? Lack of knowledge. We have to understand and understand and know who Jesus Christ is. Don't just go off what, what I'm saying and the people, the preachers, I'm telling you. No. People, God put leaders and apostles, prophets, pastors, and evangelists in leadership for a reason. Yes. But still, go back to the word of God. P apostles, pastors, preachers, they're not your gods. God is a true God. They're not going to get you to heaven. Only trusting or believing in Jesus Christ is. So, so they they were having uh, their focus 
was on the things that they did not have. Uh, focusing on their, their own uh, hunger, their physical concern, instead of their spiritual. You see, knowing Jesus is uh, uh, intellectually is different from believing it in your heart. The Pharisees and Sadducees, they just had head knowledge and book knowledge, but no heart. And some of us, we, we go to church, we pray, we read the Bible, we shout. Yes, those are the Christian duties, some of the Christian duties. But if you have no faith, you have no power. That means Satan can, 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 can tell one of his silly vixens, hey, he hasn't been in his word for a week. Go ahead and oppress him. Go ahead and influence him. Go ahead and, and touch the, the, uh, the, the, the thing that has been gripping his heart and make it worse. You see, we have to know that there's a difference from knowing God intellectually and believing him in his heart. That's why some were, some were just healed and some were made whole. You realize when, 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 when Moses parted the Red Sea? Uh, he went through it, and when, when the storm was coming on the sea, when Jesus was here and the disciples on the boat, Jesus overcame the sea. He was walking on this ocean, walking on the sea. That's kind of the difference of being uh, healed. You see, with, with, with us, we're supposed to, Christians, we're supposed to lead people. We're supposed to teach uh, uh, us how to teach others and encourage others how to get through things. And, and just, you know, of course, use God, the Father, our source. But with Jesus, when you go to the source... And when you're plugged into the source, you can overcome things. That's why some were healed and some were made whole. Because some, some of them just got their healing and went on with their way. But some were made whole because they recognized and honored that he was Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Go back and give God his thanks. Give credit to where credit is due. Don't just go on and get your blessing and put Jesus on the shelf and then pick him up when you need to. Nuh-uh. He's looking for a heart. No more sacrifices, no more bondage, no more chains. I am free today in the mighty name of Jesus. We are free. Saints, do you not realize that he is no longer requiring sacrifices? No longer requiring a 30 days of putting ashes on our face and, 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 and ripping our clothes. And, and No, he's looking for a repentant heart. That's why he sent his son. In order to get more relationship with Jesus Christ and get this thing more seriously, you have to know the difference from intellectually believing and, and, and uh, intellectually knowing, and but believing in your heart. Don't just have head knowledge and book knowledge of Jesus, but believe it and have that knowledge in your heart. Let Jesus Christ set up camp in your heart. Let's move on to verses 13 through 20. When Jesus came into the coast of, of Caesar, Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I am? And they said, some say that, that you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Others say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets or something. I don't know. And he said unto them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you're the Christ, the son of the, the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples, that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Now let's break this down. Jesus asked this question in verse 13. Uh, 
who do people say I am, right? Uh, he asked questions to see what they believed about him, while others and the rest of the world said something different. You see, we should be asking ourselves this same question. We are not to have the same thoughts and mindset as men, but we are called to be set apart, not following the world, but following his example. Meaning, uh, standing up for what is right, teaching, uh, uh, believing, trusting him, praying, fasting, reading your word, and self-sacrificing, giving up our fleshy desires, giving up our fleshy wants. To get more serious in this walk with Christ, you have to give up some things. You have to you have to know and understand what this mission in, 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 is talking about. Are you willing? Are you willing? Ask yourself that question. You see, Simon. Now, now Simon means uh, he has heard. Simon says, "Look at that." Simon says, uh, "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God." Jesus said, God bless you, Simon Barjana. Realize, realize that Jesus said his full name. Uh, this didn't come to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father through divine inspiration. So meaning God spoke through Peter so naturally that he didn't even realize it was the Father that revealed it to him. Now, and sometimes we overlook words from God. Sometimes uh, we get a thought or a, a, a thought that's not our own or a weird thought that's good according to God's word because God doesn't put evil thoughts in our head but uh, thoughts of warning uh, thoughts of correction of love of you know you shouldn't do that or something telling you in your gut to go check something or, or say something to this person or anything like that you know uh, that's the Holy Spirit residing rest ruling abiding in you God speaking to you so naturally that you don't even realize it and you we overlook it so many times as a thought or, or something like that but be aware, saints. God is trying to get your attention. He's trying to speak to you. He wants your heart. Nothing but your heart. Now, Jesus says, My Father let you in on this secret about you. He's talking to Peter. Who I, who I really am. So now I'm going to tell you who you really are. And saints, take notes. Get this down. Jot this down. Grab a paper and a pen. It's about to go down. Alright? Now, Jesus is about to tell you who he is. And who and using Peter as an example of who we are supposed to be as Christians. He says, You are Peter. Now Peter means rock or little rock. And Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and not even the gates of hell can get in. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom, keys meaning authority or power to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever he loses on earth will be uh, loosed in heaven and whatever he bounds on earth shall be bound in heaven meaning the physical death of Christ will not hinder the establishment of the church or death will overtake the church and the gates of hell will not overpower it by preventing the resurrection of Jesus Christ now keep and take notes Jesus just charged Simon who, who is now Peter a new name I mean, listen when you get to Christ, God is going to change your whole identity. He's going to make you new. He is going to set you free from something. And you have to be careful not to go back to the old way of living. But keep on listening. Let's keep on going. So, now Jesus gave Simon, who is now Peter, authority. Right? Some some power. Some type of power. Uh, a, a little bit of Jesus' power. He gave him power and authority. But Simon said that Jesus Christ was the living God. Right? He, he proclaimed that he was the living God. Right? So, 
what is the game that we always play? We play Simon Says, right? <laughs> and so many, I, that blew me away. Simon Says, you know, Simon Says, put your hand on the head. Simon Says, put your No, no, and re, didn't realize Simon is in the Bible. Simon Says, what? No, cause, because Jesus gave Simon a new name. And we should, be, we should be saying, Peter Says. Peter Says, because that's when Peter received his authority. That blew my mind when I found that out. But Simon Says... It's a game where a person takes the role of Simon, uh, issuing authority and instructions to the others, to the other players. Uh, if a person has authority, he has control. Now, keep on listening to this. So go, let's go to verse 21 through 28, right? So, from that time forth began, Jesus said to shoot his disciples that he must go into Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders, scribes, scribes, and be killed and raised again on the third day, right? Then Peter grabbed him inside. He said, Master, he, he, it says that he rebuked Jesus, saying, this will not happen. You shall not die. Now, we just read, we just read that, that the gates of hell shall not prevail, right? Meaning, meaning it will not overpower it by preventing the resurrection of Jesus Christ or the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, right? Now, he just gave him this power. And, 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 and now that Jesus gave Peter this power, he's saying, Lord, this will not happen. I rebuke you. What? You're going to rebuke God? Uh-uh. That ain't going to work, bro. So listen. So here's what, listen to what Jesus says. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. For... But Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, follow me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose the life for my name's sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death, till they see the Son of Man coming in the kingdom. So, verse 21 was prophesied that Jesus would suffer many things, right? So Peter, who Jesus just gave authority, pulled him aside and rebuked him now. Uh, now, uh, didn't Jesus just give Simon and Peter the authority to loose and bind on heaven and on earth? And you're going to rebuke him after I just gave you authority? Like, what? You see, you know, this is what we have to learn. And getting more serious with our relationship with Christ, we cannot abuse our authority. Whether being a Christian, uh, whether being in leadership as a Christian, and, and using a platform to control the people for a therapy session or or selfish motives and and stop giving everyone the microphone to get more serious you can't get everybody the microphone stop putting people in positions where they abuse their authority or where they prophesy and prophesy out of their vain deceit or own selfish insecurities and motives get more serious about god see what thus see what thus saith the lord see what jesus says he says take up your cross deny yourself and follow me to get more serious you got to humble yourself man jesus when peter when peter gave uh uh when sorry when jesus gave peter the authority he said lord i rebuke you uh uh saints that is a no no we got to we got to be careful not to overstep god not to overstep God. Know your position. Know your place. And remain humble. Because God will humble you real quick. And you don't want him to do that. So. So. We have to stop putting people in positions. 
or where they abuse their authority. And we cannot abuse our authority or the gift or the anointing that God has placed on our lives. Now, there are some anointed people out there, and sometimes we use it for our for uh, uh, narcissistic behavior, manipulativeness, uh, uh, seductiveness, uh, uh, and, and all types of things. And, and that's contaminating and quenching the Holy Spirit and contaminating actually yourself, the anointing that God has placed inside of you. You see now, now Peter Peter strongly feels that this isn't this isn't right. He feels that he he hears from God, right? <laughs> you see, you see how you see how early we said Peter was uh, so naturally. God was speaking to Peter so naturally, and 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 uh, he was, was that he was unaware that God was speaking to him naturally. Listen to this. Now, Peter feels strongly that what he is saying he is right. You know what he's speaking because God Jesus just gave him authority, right? He said, you know, he feels strongly that this is truly God speaking to him, right? <laughs> and telling him this isn't right. And that he has some authority or right to speak over Jesus. Uh, what Peter said didn't line up with scripture and contradicted the spiritual authority that was over him. And sometimes when you do your own selfish ways and you go your own selfish motives, you will start to contradict yourself and then it will become flesh and you will fall. Stay in alignment with the word of God. Stay in alignment with him. Don't contradict yourself. And it will show. So listen to what Jesus says. Then Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. Did you see how quick Satan got a hold of Peter when he put someone in position of power? Oh my gosh. Did you see how quick Satan jumped on Peter? Unawarely, unknowingly. Peter, Peter, oblivious to it all. Unknowingly that he was a spokesman for Satan at that moment. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Now Jesus knew. And this is when our spirit of discernment has to start to increase. It has to start to increase. And, and, and he didn't even know. Satan was so quick to get a hold of Peter when he, as soon as he put someone in his position of power or leadership. That's why we have to don't, don't abuse our authority and take our keep our eyes on God. You see, all Satan needs is just a crack. First, Peter spoke for God, and now he's a spokesman for Satan, but in both situations, unaware of it all. He thought God told him and felt this or that way. You know, Peter set his mind on things of men and not on God, and Satan took advantage. Then, this is, this is, where, this is where how to get more serious about your relationship with Christ. This is what he says, all in a nutshell. Jesus turned to his disciples and said, Listen up. Anyone who wants to, to be my disciple... And, and 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 follow me he says let me lead you have to let jesus christ lead that means get off all your fleshly desires fleshly worldly wants and what you think is best for you because he created you he knows what's best for you he knows what you need trust in him talk to him speak to him and pray communicate with him he knows what you need before you even know it listen to god be obedient right so he says let me lead not the other way around you can't lead Jesus. You can't. You just can't. I, I, that's all I got to say. You can't. Self-help is no help at all. My way is the way to finding your true self. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. And, and, and this is what we this is what we don't understand. We're like, oh, we can deny yourself. What does that mean? That means deny every worldly and fleshly desire that you have set in your heart. Anything that you have set up and planned for yourself, just knock it down. 
If you truly want to get serious about this walk with Christ, if you truly want to know and understand who God is, take yourself off the pedestal. Stop worrying about yourself. Love others as he has commanded us. Love others that were expecting to be judged by the warrior rule of love, which is to love one another. To esteem others higher than ourselves. Love others like we love ourselves. And, and it says, and, and it also says, you know, uh, deny yourself requires self-sacrificing. Meaning denying what your flesh wants to do. Put others before yourself. And you see, human nature wants to indulge in self. It wants to indulge in self. Our fleshly, our, our flesh wants to indulge in self, right? But our spirit, that's why it's a constant war between our flesh and our spirit. Now, saints, I hope you, uh, uh, I hope you take heed to this, to this uh, word from God. I enjoy spending this time and talking with the joy of the Lord with you. I hope whoever is listening that you please take your relationship with Christ more serious. This the time is at hand. Judgment is coming upon the earth. Today is February twenty. I believe 28th on a Monday, 2022. Uh, but I want to leave you with this question. In order to get your relationship uh, more serious with Christ, are you willing to give up all your wants, your desires for Christ? You see, sin will destroy your purpose and bring deafness to your ears so you can't hear from God. What God wants you to know and understand is this. When you have an anointing, People, and sometimes even your own people, will see you as a threat. And you get so caught up in this that you start to take focus off like the disciples took it to focus off the, what Jesus was trying to say. Keep your eyes on God. Don't worry about what everybody else say. Trust and believe in Him. Watch out for false teachers. Watch out for wolves in sheep's clothing. Always have faith and never forget who Jesus is and where you came from. Do not abuse your authority. Do not, do not, do not uh, uh, be puffed up. If a man thinks he is something, that he is nothing. Don't be puffed up. Don't be ignorant in your faith. Seek God. Don't just have the head knowledge and the book knowledge. Believe it in your heart. And don't be focused on what you do not have. Don't abuse your authority in Jesus Christ. So saints, I enjoy this topic. I ask and I leave you with this uh, word of knowledge that... I pray that your relationship grows closer in Christ and that you let his will be done in your life. And that is it for today. I hope to see you next time. Please spread this message all across the world so that we may get this word spread and make Jesus Christ global. Uh, that is all for today. This is Briagio and this has been The God Effect. God bless. Praise the Lord Saints, this is Briagio Hawthorne and this is the God Effect. Welcome to the today's podcast. Uh, before we go any further, we are going to explain that what we are going to be talking about today. So today's topic and title of this segment is The Dangers of the Fruit of the Spirit of Spiritual Pride and Arrogance uh, Within the Church Today. Uh, before we go any further, let's first go off into prayer. Precious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we want to say thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord God. We want to say thank you for your grace and mercy that you continue to bestow upon your people each and every day, Father God. Lord, we want to say thank you for your majestic mercy and your grace, Lord God, and your love. 
that you continue to pour out upon your people in these last days, Lord. Father, as we go before this Sunday school, uh, um, forgive me, as this podcast, Lord, I ask you to please step in. Take over right now in the name of Jesus. Let this be a blessing to someone's ears, Lord Father God, that they take heed to the words of the Lord. And that you speak through me, Lord Father God. And that you, Lord God, not tickle the ears of, 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 of the people, but give them what, the truth of what you want them to hear and understand. Father, we ask you to please take over this podcast right now in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God. Let the Holy Spirit flow through, Lord, like a mighty Russian wind and export and impart your dunamis spiritual power of God in this podcast. Holy Spirit, I submit myself to you. I submit myself unto you, Lord God. This is for you and not of me, Lord God. This is for you to, to spread the gospel, to put the go in the gospel. God. We are this generations of disciples, and it is time to pave the way for Jesus Christ's second coming. So, Lord, I'm suiting my armor up. I'm putting my armor on. I am grabbing my shield of faith, and I'm grabbing my sword of the Spirit, and I'm ready, prepared for service, Lord God. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening, Lord God. And we ask you to please, Lord God, let this message be a blessing unto people's ears, those who cannot watch on YouTube, but hear on this podcast, and let your will be done. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So today's scripture that we're going to base off this topic of the dangers of spiritual pride is 1 Corinthians chapter 4. So if you can please turn uh, your Bibles. If not, just feel free to listen. Now, as we go further in the scripture of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to break it down brick by brick, meaning scripture by scripture. So let's get into it. So... In this, uh, <clears throat> in this uh, scripture, this whole scripture, First Corinthians chapter four. Excuse me, sorry for sniffing. Um, Paul explains. Paul explains. Uh, he comes to the Corinthian church who are filled with spiritual pride and arrogance, um, and he uh, kind of addresses this with the correct correction and rebuke. Um, basically how to address you know spiritual pride in the church because pride is really a dangerous thing and we know pride is what got uh, Lucifer kicked out of heaven so let's start at verse 1 through 2 so it says let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God moreover it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful so basically what this is saying that leaders in the church are instruments of God. He is our master. We are not his master. And we are his servants. Uh, leaders and ministers and every believer in the world. We are supposed to be guides into God's word and his secret truth. Uh, spreading the message of hope of, uh, of the hope of Christ to the people. Not security guards protecting the word of God from the people. No, we are supposed to be giving the word of God to the people. We must be found faithful and trustworthy for this kind of work. And this is trustworthy and faithfulness is what is required for a minister or a leader or a believer. And, and, and it shows us that and also shows us that we should see our leaders and every believer in Christ as servants of Christ, not our gods, not our master or God's master. Uh, a leader is supposed to lead a congregation. Uh, a person who is put in charge as a manager must be able to know how to manage, but also must be able uh, must be faithful 
uh, and, 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 and every believer, for every believer, it is important to be stewards, to point people to the weight of Christ, not draw them away from it with spiritual pride and arrogance. And, and in this, in the beginning of these verses, Paul gives a distinct, uh, starts off like this because he, even though later he gets on to the correction and rebuke, he starts out with love. We have a lot of pride and arrogance in the church today, saints, but we do not, we fail to correct and rebuke with love. We so have this, this hard sternness and, and never do it with love. Imagine if Jesus Christ did, did said that in his word. You people are, are, uh, are sinners. Repent. I'm not, I'm not going to fool with you no more. I'm not giving you grace and mercy. But no, that's what he came to do is to give us grace and mercy. Now let's move on to chat, uh, verse 3 through 5. So it says, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yet I judge not my own self. For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring the light, the hidden things of darkness, and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. So, so Paul says in verse 3 that it doesn't matter if he was judged by humans or any human authority at that. Because he's, you know, he, he, Paul recognizes and realizes that man's opinion and approval we shall not seek and go after. Man's opinion and approval doesn't matter or doesn't overwrite God's. And the thing, and the thing was, it, man's approval or, or thoughts, he didn't care about what they thought about him or his apostleship or who he was called to be. And, and a lot of people, we get so focused on who, what preacher is better than the other or who, what leader is doing the right thing or not. You know, we get so caught up in, let's say, religion and Christian politics. No, God didn't come and bring his, leave his word for us to debate about them and be political about them. But, 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 but God's word uh, and, and every believer and leader and minister are supposed to be guides to God's divine word in, in secrets, not security guards not to protect them. It is what God says that is important. No human, mortal authority or opinion matter. But only God's, and, and and we have to we have to stop caring about what think, what people think or say, right? We gotta stop caring about what people think or say. You know, oh oh God, and you you come to the church and God gave me a word. I feel so on fire for God, and then the church tries to dim your light because oh he a new believer, she a new believer. He, they don't know what they're talking about. Stop. Receive them with love. The church has become the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the very people that Jesus rebuked. And and the thing is, and the thing is, and and listen, I do not mean forsake godly counsel or constructive criticism. But in, as leaders and ministers and believers, we are all called to a stricter and a higher standard, because we do know better. We have God's law. We we know the difference from right and wrong. We, we know what God expects of us and what God does not expect of us. We know what we should do. We have the commandments and we have his word. And why, But yet, why are we so filled with pride and arrogance? It is, and, and, and you, and, and being, <clears throat> being filled with pride and arrogance is a really dangerous thing. Because you can hurt people. 
and your pride and in your arrogantness. You can hurt God's people. And you know what the Bible says in Matthew, it's better to tie a milestone around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourself. Watch what you say to God's people, to new babes in Christ. Watch what you say. Really think about, okay, is this God, is this, is this, is this gonna represent God? Is this gonna represent God? Listen, pride and arrogance leads to rebellion against God. And rebellion against God brings judgment. And but judgment brings death and restoration. We have to understand our words carry weight as believers of people of God. Our words carry weight. And and so so you know, Paul says, why why judge a man, or a minister, or a leader, or a believer? Why 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 compare them to another minister or a leader? Whether you think they are called or not, you are not the judge. God is. So whether they have the proper credentials or court papers that says they are a pastor or a leader or 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 they got ordained by or ordination records, you know, who are you to say that they are called and not worthy to preach the gospel to be a leader? And I believe in in, uh, in the book of Philippians it says, you know, we preach the, some preach the gospel out of uh, you know impure motives, but Paul says that you know let the gospel be preached. Hey, at least the gospel is being preached. They're not doing it right with the right motives, but the gospel is being preached. We we would just pray for that person. We're so quick to jump up and quick and and rebuke somebody and 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 and. and, and uh, we're so quick to jump on that smudge of sin on their face, but we're not. We're so oblivious to our own. We have a smear. Sin is smeared all over our face and evident in our faces, and we we just we we ignore it. Our own sin, our own shame. It's because of shame and guilt. That's why there's pride and arrogant people in the church because of poor self worth and, and 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 shame and guilt. You try to put others sin and pour out their sin and guilt on 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 scene and on blast but god knows each and everything about you and some things that he he revealed to the maybe he revealed to the person that you're trying to put on blast about you so stay and remain humble stay and remain humble and and it paul goes basically says it doesn't matter if i'm popular or not and since we gotta stop comparing, we gotta stop comparing. Listen to this: making comparisons to others' gifts and anointing are pointless. This is what Paul means. Even when Paul felt, you know, blameless and he had a godly lifestyle, have a godly walk, he still put God first. He still allowed God to have the last and the final say. And God is in charge of everything. God is the one who decides who gets the well done, my good and faithful servant, not man. We have to stop being so puffed up and placing so much confidence in ourselves. And a quick little testimony. This is what I have been learning about God. God has been telling me that in order for me to truly grow in him, he has to break every barrier of belief systems that I have stored up and crafted into myself. That means my thinking. That means my acting, my behaving the way I walk, talk. He has to, in order for me to truly be reborn, it's not just baptism, but in spirit and in truth. To be reborn is to be naked before Christ, to put out yourself in the worship and the presence of God. In God's presence, there are answered prayers. God's silence is so powerful that he talks while he's silent. In the presence of God, there are mighty works of God. God begins to move. 
So God is was saying to me that Briagio, I have to break down every uh, construct some criticism that you that you have stored up for yourself. Every hardness of heart, every every first, I have to shake off what people spoke over you and, and said about you. Now I have to work on you, the inner man. I have to work on you, the inner man. And it's not about performance, people. God is not a performing God. He doesn't He doesn't put on miracle signs and wonders just for Him. To, that's not a performance. No, that's the power and the holiness of our true and Almighty God. Only His power is to be put in plastic on display of our lives, how we, how our light shines through Him. He said, "I have to change your way of thinking. I even have to change the way you interpret Scripture. I have to change the way you interpret me. I have to change the way of your carnal-minded thinking, of your talk, of your speech, of the people you hang around, of the things you touch, of the things you watch, of the things you put into your spirits. This is we. This is war, saints. This is a real deal." We serve a God who is real and almighty and living. And pride and arrogance is what got Satan kicked out of heaven. And everything he does, he tries to mock God. So, so don't try and and jump ahead and uh, jump to conclusions. So, so quick to judge before having all the evidence in. The church is 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 so is so arrogant and prideful and we say no we're not like that we not. yes we are saints brother my sister take a step back and examine yourself examine yourself don't jump to conclusions with your judgments before all the evidence is in god will make it plain for who gets the well done my good and faithful servant arrogant leaders who compare and who judge judge not don't rush into judgments without knowing all the facts and the evidence. Look at things from God's perspective and God's point of view. The, you know what? And and here's what the here's what prideful and arrogant uh, leaders and, and and ministers and believers act like. They act like they are already reigning with Christ, meaning they act like they're already they already have it all. We're already, we're, they're speaking as if, as if, and, and judging and being arrogant as if they already had the high and mighty position in God, that they're already in heaven reigning with Christ, sitting next to him on the throne. Acting like they have to already reign with him, that they're, that, 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 you know, yeah, I got it, we got it, yeah, we got it all together. There's no such thing as a perfect church. Humble yourself and repent. This being being arrogant and and, 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 and and being arrogant and prideful is nothing but arrogant and prideful faith. And we know God is not a is not a God of pride and of, of arrogance and, and, and pride. So who is? And and people are so confident that in their pride and arrogance that they make God look foolish, put a bad reputation on his name. You're supposed, here you're supposed to be your brother and sister of Christ, but you're walking in pride and arrogance and walking in the flesh. No, humble yourselves and repent. Examine yourselves. Take the beam out of your own eye before you try to take the beam out of somebody else's eye. And the thing about God and Him being so faithful, faith is not fake. Faith is not phony. Faith is, is not a fairy tale or a feckle. Faith is is the faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Right now, faith. We are supposed to have right now faith in the kingdom of God, saints. 
we're supposed to have right now faith and and, and in the midst of the pandemic and the midst of hearing wars and rumors and wars of World War III. God, God will judge and bring every hidden agenda, motive, purpose out in front of you on the day of judgment day and you have to be prepared and ready for it. So be careful how you talk to God's people. Be careful how you talk to God's uh, 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 vessel. Touch not thy anointing. Do thy prophet no harm. That goes for other, other Christians too. Yeah, there are some anointed men and women of God out there. Be careful how you speak on their name. Because God is a God of justice. And moving on to verse 6 through 8. And it says, In these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. For who makes thee to differ from another? And who hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou had not received it? Now you are full, now you are rich, you have reigned as kings without us, and I would to and I would to God you did reign, that we also might reign with you. See, Paul here says that that we should keep a biblical thinking and perspective. Stop acting like you are already reigning with God. Stop acting like you have it all together, that you have this Christian walk and God all figured out because that is nothing but pride and arrogance. Humble yourself. It is going to take a lifetime to get the sin out of our lives. That's why we are going to be reigning with Christ forever and for eternity because it takes forever to get us to get the sin out of our lives. It's, it's, you know how you take a stain out and you pour some bleach in it? And while it's washing, the bleach gets with the stain and it, and it comes, stays in there for a long time. So let's take it in a bigger perspective. God is the bleach and sin is our stain. And in order for the bleach, a.k.a. God, to get the stain, a.k.a. sin, out of our lives, he has to mix them together. And meet, and, and therefore, therefore, I'm talking about us reigning with Christ and being in heaven when we get to our and receive our eternal reward. We have to... Be in God's presence forever in order to be permanently forgiven. Now, don't take that out of context. I'm talking about reigning for Christ in the context of perspective of being in heaven. Um, we know that we are forgiven by the sins of Jesus Christ dying on the cross and a person trusting and believing in him. <laughs> but here, Paul Paul says that we, can, we should keep our thinking biblical. Okay? Follow what scripture says. Stop taking scripture out of context, pride and arrogant people. It's, it's be careful not to get pride and er, prideful and arrogant. Please be careful not to get prideful and listen. We we receive the gift of grace by grace. What does that mean? That means God shows grace and hospitality by Him being grace. We have to go to the source. So we should not boast. The Corinthian church thought that in their boasting and saying who should be leaders and, and that who, uh, who are fit for the church and who's called and who's not made them feel like they already made it into heaven. Made it feel like seeing that they are already reigning with, with Jesus Christ, if they already had it all figured out that they were a different church and that they were and that they were so different. And, and you know, but but God is sitting back, shaking his head like, oh, repent, repent. Pride and arrogance hurts people. It's better to tie a milestone around your neck. Listen, um, 
God, God is, is speaking. Let the Holy Spirit work and flow and operate through you freely. Stop quenching the Holy Spirit. You quench the Holy Spirit when you're being prideful and arrogant and puffed up. We should keep up thinking biblical. Follow what scripture says. Who do you think you are? If you're being prideful and arrogant, who do you think you really are? Judging people and comparing others' gifts and anointings to others. Who do you think you are to say this person is not caught, who is not called? Who do you think you are? Bragging and boasting and being puffed up and criticizing others. We should not be misguided, arrogant people or, or proud. Everything we have is given to us. So why do we act like we, we got this, all this power and achieved it on our own? Stop indulging people's ego at the expense of their soul. Stop stroking and indulging the arrogance of, uh, of, of spiritual leaders and, and, and ministers and, uh, uh, and believers. Stop stroking their egos at the expense of their soul. Every time you stroke person, a person's ego, they become even more and more dangerous to the church and to the body of Christ and more available and vulnerable to Satan. Stop stroking people's egos. That is not in the will of God. And the will of God is to love one another. And people always say, oh, they're going to they're gonna puff you up. They're going to make you seem, yeah, you preached that. Yeah, you did that. Yeah, 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 that's all. Okay, but give God the glory when people start to say that. <laughs> give God the glory. Don't say, thank you. No, give God the glory. It was not me. It was him, the Father, speaking and flowing through me. Stop indulging people's ego at the expense of their soul. Stop looking at the charisma of, of the of the preacher or the pastor and start looking at the character. Hmm? Start looking at the character. And what I mean by that, I mean that people look for charisma to tickle their ears, to hear what people to, to hear what they want to say. Oh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna preach the whole truth. I'm gonna just, you know, say something, try to relate to them. And and people get a misguided understanding about preaching. Preaching yes, preaching is to draw the attention, but preaching is the zealous and the fire of God. Preaching is holiness. Jesus Christ crucified, resurrected. And now, right now, we need a right now word. Stop judging people and, and, and using unbiblical standards to judge others. Stop proudly talking, talking uh, 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 when, when, you, um, when you begin to treat pastors different. You know, based on how they preach, you begin to cause division in the church and in the body of Christ. When you're talking about a person's situation and what they're going through, no, 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 no. The Bible says, take the beam out of your own eye before you try to take the beam out of others' eye. And, and we know, you know, we know we have accountability partners. Yeah, okay. But, but you being an accountability partner don't mean, okay, Go reveal your information to the rest of the church and put that person on blast. No, that person trusted you with that knowledge. That person trusted you with their vulnerability and gave you access to their heart. And you go and talk to them in front of the church about it? Repent. Remain humble. Stop trying to be God. We cannot fix these people. We cannot fix the loss. We cannot save them. Our job is to point them to Christ and God Almighty. Point them to the way. Point them to the way. It's bad enough that the world is already hurting them. Now the church is too? Huh? Where did the standards... Where have the standards of God gone? Hmm? 
Where have the truth and the zealousness and the holiness of God gone? Where has that gone? Because I know I serve a God who is living, who is all powerful and mighty, who 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 closes no man can open and open doors no man can close, who shut the mouths of kings and queens, who had kings and queens bowing down to him. But yet we have the audacity to bring arrogance and pride, their spirit and the fruit of pride into God's house. When God went into the temple and he said, you have made my house of den and thieves. This is a house of prayer. God's words is to bring a word of conviction, a word of holiness, of righteousness, of justice, not the other way around. Do it with love. Forgive me for my direct approach and my sternness, but it's just, it's, but I, holiness is right. The blood still works. God is living and he is real. Saints, we are at a time and a season where it is time to stop being arrogant and puffed up and prideful and place confidences in yourself and realize and recognize the God that you serve. And, and, and Paul asked three questions in verse 7. He says, what's the point of complaining and, and comparing, comparing or competing for those who act superior or higher than others in the church? He says, does God not know, does God not know your heart? He does, right? So isn't everything you have a gift from God? Isn't everything you have a gift from God? And, and ask yourself this, you know, do I truly give credit to God for my salvation? Am I humble? What can I what can I give back to God? Am I thankful? Have you ever thought about how God felt? Don't don't forget what you came from, where you came from. Arrogant believers and leaders, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and like this, think they have it all figured out. That they have seen that they have uh, uh, such this this great relationship with God and have this deep knowledge and intellect of His Word that no one else knows. Or that, or that, uh, 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 you know, nobody has this knowledge about me. God only reveals to me. No. It's good to talk about church. And, uh, the church is a, church, the definition of church is, is a body of, a body of believers, an assembly gathering of believers, talking, representing, worshiping, and honoring God, and respecting each other's opinions. Now, it's good to, to, to state our opinions, but don't go lording your opinions over others and lording your people opinions over biblical truth. God's word stand and is firm and is what it says. It is right in front of us. Moving on to verse 9 through 13. Now, it says, For I think that God... God has set for us to the apostles last as it were appointed to death for we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men we are fools for Christ's sake but you are wise in Christ we are weak but you are strong you are honorable but we are despised even unto this present hour we both hunger and thirst and are naked in our in our uh, Buffeted and have no certain dwelling place, and labor that means work, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we suffer it. 
being defamed, we entreat, we are made as the filth of the world and are the offscoring of all things unto this day. So this is what Paul is saying. The Corinthian church were proud of their spirituality. Paul may have felt that his words were falling on deaf ears or that he was preaching to a dead church. Then he goes on to say, we don't have enough to eat. We are kicked. We are, we are, uh, 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 we are battered and bruised. We, we wear patched clothes. We get doors slammed in our faces when we try to spread the gospel. We get kicked down and, and stones thrown at us. We pick up jobs that no one else wants. People call us names. But in spite of that, we still say, God bless you. In this walk, you have to suffer. God did not say we were never going to suffer. He said, I'm going to be with you. Though I walk, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And also it says, consider it all joy when you go through suffering and and, and trials. Because in that, it will grow your faith stronger in God. It will produce more faith and perseverance and hope. But the thing is, when Paul was saying about him being, you know, treated badly, doors slammed in his face, and, 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 you know, working labor with their hands, and they're considered fools and filth for Christ's sake, this is how society treats us and looks at us Christians. But listen, God overcame the world. God overcame the world. And, and, people, and, and people actually think that we are fools for believing in Christ. Hmm? We were, we were fool for fools. We look dumb. We look weak to the world and society when we are fools for Christ. When we, when we represent Jesus Christ. And listen, think about this. Maybe Paul had felt like God has put him in the apostles who preach the word of God on stage in a theater where no one wants to buy a ticket. Where everyone just stares and stands around like they were preaching to a dead church. And being a leader, we felt like this before, right? Believers and and we're not getting the response we want. We're not getting the hand claps, and we always say we, you know, we not we're not we're speaking to a dead church or we think like that. Go higher in the Lord. Go further. And and also we are says the Bible says that here's why Paul Paul says we are fools for Christ's sake. I'm a fool for Christ. I'm a fool for believing in Jesus. This is what people say and how some of us act in the church today. We are thinking and living like unbelievers, which when we say, oh, I, I, don't, I don't think you're called or, or, or have a, 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 a downing spirit. And when we say, oh, they're preaching the same message over and over and over. But Paul is seeing that, that they say they are strong. They are strong. Society in the world, yeah, it's strong. They're strong. But people see us as weak. We're, despi- we're despised. While the world while the world praises you, we're hungry. We have no clothes. We'll take any job we can get. All that. Door slams in the faces, called names, everything. But they still say, God bless you. They went through it all. The apostles and the prophets and, and the disciples, they went through it all. They were believers in Christ. What makes we think we're not going to go through it? They're experiencing a congregation that is looking for charisma instead of character. So in spite of all that, they still preach the gospel. Stop bringing society and worldly talk inside the church. Take the word of God out there to society and talk to the church. Talk to them. Talk to the church. 
Let's stop being so holier than thou and and humble yourself and go talk to them. (laughs) Hmm? Go talk to them. Moving on to verse 14 through 17. Now I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Meaning Paul is giving his fatherly advice to them as a Corinthian church of correction and rebuke. This is how we handle situations like this. Wherefore, I beseech you, be you fellow uh, followers of me, imitate me. For this cause I have sent unto you Timothy, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into the remembrance of my ways in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now here, Paul's guidance on how to not be like these arrogant people. Paul gives his fatherly and, and godly advice. And another scripture I'm going to come off of is James 4. We're going to get to that in a minute when we're done this. So, there is a spiritual danger of pride that enters the believer's heart when they walk in the flesh. And Paul is saying that these things to, to warn and advise... Uh, uh, when you discover people like this and be imitators, Paul uh, Paul was looked at as a fool, weak, poor, cold, hungry, homeless, beaten. They were they were probably like, and you want us to imitate you? We got people like that. Do you know his past? Do you know he did? Do you know I just seen him at the liquor store the other day? Even though God knew he was cashing his check. Did you did you do you know who he is? Do you know where he came from? Hmm. Mm, I don't know. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. That's because people don't, people, sometimes people will still continue to look at the old you. Right? But listen, people, people learn who God is through your life. There are a lot of people waiting to tell us, waiting to tell us uh, uh, what we're doing wrong and how we're doing wrong. Yes, also people in the church too. But God is willing to take his time and effort on you to help us grow. Something that they are so proud that no one would ever correct them. But God's power and his word comes with a two-edged sword. uh, A sword that cuts going in but heals coming out. Thank you, Holy Ghost. God's word comes with a rod of correction. So when Jesus comes back, what will he find? find Will he find you doing his work and doing his will? Does he have to come with a rod of correction and rebuke? Jesus is coming back. Judgment is at hand. So repent and believe in the gospel. Repent. Put away pride. You see what pride did to Satan? Hmm? What shall we say then? Hmm? Or should God come with peace, love, joy, and kindness? Shall he come with peace, love, joy, and kindness, or with a, a, a rod of correction and rebuke? Now, in, in James 4, we're moving on to James 4. James 4, James chapter 4. Now, in James 4, talk, Paul, uh, James talks about pride and selfishness. Pride and selfishness leads to wars and fighting. Pride is so evil, it comes from within, because we want our own way and to do our own will and not God's. You see, in James chapter 2, verse 3, uh, we desire things and lust after things uh, that we do not have. So we kill one another 
by backbiting one another, by talking slanderous about one another, by gossiping and, and being busybodies in the church. You know, not just physically, but also spiritually. Uh, uh, to with our, our own words, praying against one another and jealousy, being jealous of one another. When we when we ask God for things, he doesn't even give them to us because he knows all this about us. Because we're gossiping, backbiting, and our motives in our heart is not right. We're asking with the wrong motives. And you wonder why God, oh God, why didn't you, why didn't I get this? I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. But literally, you don't even know that you're not even doing the will of God. Because God knows your heart. He knows that you're just going to take it, run with it, and, and don't give him thanks. Just like with the um, the servants. He said, he said, you know, hold, hold, hold. I'm, I'm going to give you guys a blessing before I go. I believe it's in Matthew. I think it's 2017 or something like that. You know, take care of it while I go on my trip. Master returned back to the trip. He said, "What'd you do with your uh, with the blessing that I gave you?" He said, "Oh, you know, I took it and I I multiplied it five times. Oh, I took it and I and I uh, I squandered it. I took it and I did this with it." So, so God is entrusting you with His word. God is entrusting you with this work and with this ministry. It's up to you to how you take care of it and how you handle it. We're supposed to handle it with care. James chapter four. James chapter 4 verse uh, 4 through 6 is basically saying you cheat on God if you're flirting with the world and sin you love the things of this world and this is what a double minded person does right a double minded person he destroys himself he cannot be he's not stable in his own mind listen it says you cheat on God by flirting with the world and sin you love the things of this world and if you're being double-minded and being and 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 you know can't serve two masters, if you're doing this, you're God's enemy. When you start to flirt and lust after the things of the world, your spirit will become contaminated, because without the breath of life, the spirit of life, your faith will 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 um will turn into selfish envy. But when you start to do these things, somebody has to have your ear or attention, right? So, whoever has your ear. Has your faith. So who has your attention? When you are walking in arrogance and pride. And saying all these boastful things. As if you're already waiting on Christ. Who, 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 who has your ear? Who are you listening to? Who are you talking to? Because hmm? that's certainly not of God. An unbeliever can walk in the church. And, 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 and tell more. And pinpoint out more. Than God's own people. They, they, they walk in the church and they can know immediately what's going on. But we so just oblivious because, oh, oh my gosh, Bridget, yeah. Test it. Test it. So, in, in, so, and the gracious thing about God is that his grace will always be able to overcome our unfaithfulness. Because he is God. And because God gives grace to the humble, but resists the proud. Remaining in sinful pride and arrogance gives the enemy legal right to take over your mind and call and bring division into the church. Because he just needs one person to do it. Because when you're walking and remaining in spiritual pride, you no longer are on holy ground. You're playing in Satan's playground. Hmm? You are playing in Satan's playground when you walk in, in spiritual pride. 
in, in, in James chapter 4, verse 7 through 9 says, we are to submit. Here's how to, here's how to overcome it. Here's how to not walk in spiritual pride. He says right here, submit. Submit means to humble yourself before God. Resist the devil. Resist him. We have three, we have, we have, we have so many enemies and obstacles and challenges. The devil being the main one, his demons in the flesh. Resist the devil. Humble yourself. Meaning walk in the spirit. Not giving into temptation. Say aloud no to the devil. And a quiet yes to God. Sinners and double-minded people are parallel to false teachings and doubt in the congregation. It is doubt in the congregation. And, and even in verse 10, humility is the key to having forgiveness from God and reconciliation. Reconcili and also reconcili humility and reconciliation with members and with God of the congregation uh, uh, humility means having an attitude of repentance and in having this attitude he will give you purpose having this attitude of humility, repentance and reconciliation gives you purpose, restoration and forgiveness and renewal with God and the people you will start to walk as you realize that you will start to become more arrogant and prideful the more your flesh begins to eat you up and you stop, to stop caring how you how you talk and what you say out of your mouth but when you walk in humility and forgiveness and repentance and reconciliation God will begin to give you purpose again and another thing in verse 11 through 12 he says don't badmouth each other huh we so quick to talk about somebody in the church oh he preached wrong debating about scripture yada 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 listen stop badmouthing work out your own salvation with fear and trembling don't badmouth each other Right? Having judgmental speech towards other violates God's word or rule of love. Did you know that? And this is his word or rule of love. To love one another as yourself. We're supposed to be honoring the message, not writing graffiti all over it with our gossip, slander, arrogant, prideful, boastful speech. Hmm? God is in charge. Who, who are we to decide others' destiny? Stop badmouthing each other. Having judgmental speech towards other violates God's royal rule of love. Submit. Humble yourself. Don't give in to temptation. Resist the devil. Say no. Say yes to God. Stop being double-minded. Look at sinners through God's point of view and perspective, not, not, not through your own. Let God take complete and total control. He has to debunk every craft, the truth, and interpretation that you have said about yourself, that you have made up in your mind about yourself, that you have made up in your mind about church, about God. No, 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 no. Let the word literally, this is what it means to be reborn and to be and to rethink. Let God overtake you. Let God's spirit truly overtake you. And this is the last thing. James chapter verse 13 through 16. Meaning, boastful speech indicates arrogance. You don't know what will happen next, so do not go boasting about it. For the world to see and to put on display, don't cast your pearls before swans. Boasting and prideful talk is like filthy flies and maggots coming out of your mouth. Instead, trust God and watch what comes out of your mouth. 
say, God, if it is your will, this is your will. This is how you this is how you show faith through obedience. If you know what is right and don't do it, it is sin. If you know what is right and do not do it, it is sin. That's Bible. James chapter 13. James chapter 4, verse 13 through 16. So stop being arrogant and proud. Remain humble. Reconcile with others. Look at sinners and everybody through God's point of view and perspective. And you will have purpose. You will have purpose. Well, saints, I thank you for this uh, uh, wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, podcast. I thank you for allowing me to talk and sit with you here today. Please share this message with others. Uh, and please get the word, spread the word out fast. Time is short, saints. And the Lord is coming back. We are to repent, 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 repent. Not save the lost. That is God's job. Leave that up to the Father. Uh, and we are supposed to be... <clears throat> leading people to Christ, not trying to fix them. So church, I I thank you and I ask you to please be with me and be blessed. I will see you all next time. God bless.